Hey guys, what's up, and welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. This is episode 12, an interview with Kate Block of The Little Dipper. This episode was a blast to record. I love Kate's work that she's doing for the world. In this episode, we dive into many topics, but some of my favorites are the story of why she chose the name The Little Dipper. She goes into how receiving acupressure and therefore studying naturotherapy changed the direction of her life. She explains her teaching methods as a yoga instructor, which is based on goal sensation. So if you're someone who is always wondering if you're doing the right poses to get the right effect, she's a pro at helping you feel exactly what you intend. She discusses her broad range of services that is able to meet each of her clients' physical and emotional needs, whether that's massage therapy, heart-guided sessions, which I'll let you guys listen to learn a little bit more, or maybe she's offering a private yoga session. Finally, we talk about how vulnerability is a superpower, not just in business, but in life. Be sure to give this episode a listen to help you find your true north. Enjoy the show. And we're recording. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited. Yeah, thank you for making the time to be here. And I am very excited for our conversation today. Me too. So uh, we actually met through the Mindful Vinyasa School of Yoga page. I was looking for people to come on the podcast, and you were like, hey, I'm interested. Um, So what, I kind of am interested, what drew you to Mindful Vinyasa School of Yoga to start? Yeah, so I think what attracted me to the program is, A, I'd had previous experience with Amber, so I just knew what a lovely human she is, Mm -hmm. and I knew that if I did a training with her, it would be... um, really smart, really gentle, and really honoring of who the trainees were as individuals. Mm. Um, And that was really important for me to feel like there was going to be space that would be held for who I am and how I wanted to show up as a teacher. Um, So partly it was that, and, and partly it was just that it worked with the schedule that I had at that time in my life. So it was like, this is perfect both logistically and both in terms of like the spirit of her her program what she was offering yeah totally that resonates with me too of why i chose her program it was like it kind of speaks to who you are and it's like i i vibe with this kind of yeah feeling basically um so you so we met through yoga and decided to do this podcast. So the reason that I'm bringing you on today is to talk more specifically about your business, um, kind of what the challenges you have faced with being an entrepreneur, yeah. um, what your favorite parts of being a business owner are, and kind of like how you've evolved as um, to grow your business, which is called Little Dipper. Yep. Um, So actually, I'm curious, what made you choose the name Little Dipper? Oh, this is such a great question. Um, I have a whole blog on this, but essentially, I was was coming out of my therapeutic bodywork program because that's the training that I did first. I did a therapeutic bodywork program up at the Naturopathic Institute of Therapies and Education. What a mouthful. (laughs) Up in Mount Pleasant. And basically what that program is, is it's about six months of massage therapy training, and then your last six months 
are all other different types of body work that's not really massage. So if you've ever heard of craniosacral therapy, mm. reflexology, energy work, we also learned about essential oils and did some other classes. Okay. So I was getting near the end of my program and I was like, okay, I know that I want to start my own practice. Mm -hmm. What the heck am I going to name this thing? And I knew that I didn't want to be like Kate Block massage therapy, but yeah. <laughs> that I wanted like, so like something that connected. Most, it doesn't have quite the ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little generic, right? Yeah. So I wanted something that had a significance to me. Um, and right around the time when I was enrolling in therapeutic body work program, um, I was going through a really hard, really dark time in my life. Mm. Um, not dark in terms of depressing, just dark in terms of difficult. Mm. And as I was sort of journaling one day, I was realizing that um, the stars are something that people use to help them navigate. And mm. people have used the stars for navigation for thousands of years. Yeah. But literally the thing that makes you able to see the stars is darkness. Oh. And so for me, there's something really beautiful about that, about the idea that these times of difficulty, conflict, growth, stretching outside of your comfort zone, those difficult times um, can be the times in which you see your guidance, mm. in which you see the path that's laid out for you, in yeah. which you see how to get yourself to uh, your own true north, yeah. um, which is sort of part of my business philosophy and mission. Yeah. So how I came up with Little Dipper is I was like, okay, I want something that has to do with the stars, that yep. has to do with that and darkness. And I loved also the idea of uh, the constellation being this shape that you can see in the sky. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever looked up in the sky to sort of see constellations, but for a lot of them, it's really hard to see the shape until yeah. someone points it out to you. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, now I see. Like, now I see these connections. Mm. So I liked the idea also of the constellation as a metaphor of helping people to see the connections see. in their lives. Yeah. And the reason I chose the Little Dipper constellation is because the farthest star in the tail of the Little Dipper is Polaris, the North Star. Oh. And so I loved that idea, too, yes. of, you know, this is a compass point for yeah. you. So that's how we, that's how I came up with Little Dipper. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. so creative. It's yeah. super cool. That's, <laughs> like, you. so meaningful, too. Very, yeah. very and the, deep. And the funny thing is I think, like, most people don't know that story. So, yeah. like I said, there is that blog sort of explaining it on my website. But I think the vast majority of my clients and students have no idea where that came from. Yeah. Do you have, like, background in writing? Because I was going through some of your blogs just to, like, prepare for the episode yeah and your your writing is very captivating and I was oh, like you. you must have quite a bit of experience doing this you know I've I've spent a lot of years as a student mm. in academia and okay. so I think that has sort of helped me to hone my writing but yeah. um you know if I can say this without sort of seeming like I have a big head, it's also just been something that has always come really easy to me. Oh. So I've always been a really good writer and yeah. um, I tend to agonize over my writing. So I spend oh. a lot of time like choosing the exact perfect way to say things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's sort of something that comes naturally to me. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone has their own strengths and you definitely play it up and it's, you can tell that it, it's reflected in your writing that you do take the time to make sure it flows well and that it captivates the reader yeah. so props on that thank you I'll take them <laughs> I'll welcome. take them <laughs> so you mentioned um 
naturopath was the institute that you went to. Yep. Um, can you, well, first my question is, is that similar to Reiki or a little mm. bit different? So what the naturopathic uh, institute of therapies and education is, mm-hmm. is sort of an alternative or more holistic view of different modalities for, um, addressing health and wellness. Okay. So if you went to see, so they have three different programs. Mm-hmm. I did the naturopathic uh, Institute of Therapies and Education. I did their <laughs> therapeutic body work program, okay. which I, like I said, is a year long. Um, and that's for folks who want to be body workers. So okay. most commonly that'll be massage therapists, but it also gives you a little taste of those other types yeah. of body work that are not massage, but that do involve touching and working with the body. Okay. Um, and then they also have two other programs. They have a doula program, which oh, is okay. sort of um, helping folks who want to essentially be a childbirth and labor coach. Yep. So they're not actually delivering your baby, but sort of holding space for an expectant mother and helping you to think through um, some of those decisions that you might make. And then the other program is a naturopathic practitioner program, and that you could do anywhere from one year to four years. And basically it's I don't know as much about it because I didn't do that program, but it's sort of learning how to work with herbs and supplements and dietary coaching. And um, there is a Mm. little bit of energy work in that program. And so it's sort of an Eastern approach to health and wellness. Okay. So when you are doing the massage therapy school, you mentioned it's a year long. Yeah. Do you feel like it is more like Eastern thought process intertwined in it? You know, that was part of the things that drew me to it is because the therapeutic bodywork program felt like a really like beautiful blend of Mm. Eastern and Western. The the first six months where we were doing massage therapy, there was maybe a little bit of alternative or sort of holistic perspective or approach that was involved. Um, But the first six months felt very conventional to Mm -hmm. me, not in a bad way, just in a, oh yeah, I could have learned this elsewhere. Gotcha. And then the last six months, that's where you sort of bring in all these more holistic elements. Mm. So we learned how to work with essential oils and how to work with the body's energetic system. Okay. So chakras, which often yogis are familiar with, meridians, which are lines of energy in the body. Okay. Um, And that's where we blended some of those more um, alternative forms of, of working towards health and wellness. Okay. So, um, you are a therapeutic body worker, is mm-hmm. that correct? <laughs> yeah, I say therapeutic body work practitioner. Practitioner, yep. uh-huh. okay. And then you are a yoga teacher as well, yep. and you are a massage therapist. Yes. So, do you feel like having the massage therapy background has helped assist your yoga um, so much. teaching? <laughs> yeah, so much. It's um, the richness of anatomy and physiology that I have because of that bodywork program yeah. is just so helpful in understanding not just what the names of muscles and bones are, but also understanding how the body moves through space, mm. how restriction in a certain muscle might contribute to what your experience of a, of a pose is yeah. or where you're restricted or where you need to build more stability and strength, where mm. it might be helpful to build more flexibility. I would say that um, while I loved my yoga teacher training program, um, and there's so much to try to focus on oh, yeah. in a 200-hour program, yes. so I don't know how people who write the curriculum for these programs do it. Decide. <laughs> but yeah, it was just anatomy and physiology was like, I think intentionally, a pretty small sliver of the program mm. because there was so much else to focus on. Yeah. And um, for me, having that extra background has really helped me to bring that depth of 
I call it physiologically intelligent sequencing yeah. to my classes. And also the idea too, because when we, when I was in my training and also with my clients in my practice now, I see so many different bodies that mm-hmm. can move in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so that's really impacted when I look at my class full of students it's helped me to see them as individuals Mm. and to see how structural variation and other physiological differences that are not bad or wrong, that just are, how those things will impact how someone experiences the practice. And so it's given me, I think, a really helpful lens to view people as individuals. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I Like, looking at your background, I was like, wow, that's probably super beneficial to have the massage therapy because I have friends who who do massage therapy, and they're so knowledgeable about the body that, um, like you said, sometimes in yoga teacher training, you don't go as in-depth with that, but it will depend on the... The, the training you go to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be so helpful because some of the clients that you will see as a yoga teacher want to focus on, you know, how is my body supposed to be positioned? Is this right? And they care a lot about the physical side, mm-hmm. whereas other people you will see care more about... They want the heart openers and they want the emotional side of the practice. Yeah, or the mental benefits yeah. of the practice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's it's really cool that you're able to speak to both sides of that and have that, like, holistic view of an individual rather than just, like, this is how you move your arm through a different yoga pose or the, yeah. more the, just the physiological side of things. Yeah, I describe sort of the approach that I take to teaching as I think we're all sort of, or most of us who are yogis or yoga teachers are familiar with the concept of goal alignment, mm. right? But I find that often goal alignment is based from an aesthetic perspective. Yeah. So like my arm should be here in space or I need to square my hip or I need to turn my foot at this angle. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> I've said to my students really often, I don't care so much about goal alignment or how your body looks in a particular shape. Mm -hmm. I'm more focused on goal sensation. So Mm. for each of the yoga poses that we're going to include in class, what are we trying to get you to feel? Are we trying to get the glutes to fire? Are we trying to build some intensity in the belly? Are we trying to invigorate? Are we trying to twist? Are we trying to create a feeling of restorative Um, energy. Um, So what I like to focus on is how do we get you as an individual human with all of your uniqueness and variation to be able to cultivate that goal sensation, that feeling, as opposed to worrying so much about is my body in the right, like, physical, visual Alignment, shape. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do would you say this is something you've learned, like, based on your own experience of doing yoga? It's not so much... Because you're, you're a 200-hour teacher, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you done, like, continuing education? I have done continuing ed, but I haven't done a whole lot. I haven't been able to do a whole lot of... Okay. Um, continuing ed that focuses on anatomy and physiology yeah most of my continuing ed has been in other areas um but I am like deeply interested in that so I Mm -hmm. read a lot of Jason Crandall's like social media stuff and there's um Jules Mitchell if you've heard of her she's a teacher who focuses on biomechanics oh or yeah (laughs) you love her okay um and Bernie Clark who actually is a yin yoga teacher and I'm not super into yin but what I am super into is how he analyzes what's happening in the body it's really strongly anatomy and physiology based and he Mm. does a really great job of sort of saying here's the spectrum of individual variation 
for the body in regards to this particular joint or range of motion or muscle group. And all of this is normal and shouldn't be pathologized. It's okay. all normal. So how do we work with our students where they mm, are yeah. instead of trying to perhaps paint an unrealistic picture yeah. of what they they can do or will be able to do in the future? Yeah. Um, so... Okay, that was like a huge tangent. That's fine. But it's a good tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. So how did I learn to teach this way or what brought me to teaching this way is yeah. I have a really substantial uh, ankle injury. Okay. I broke my left ankle jumping off the Grand Haven Pier when I was 17. Oh my goodness. And I have a really gnarly case of post-traumatic arthritis in that joint because of that injury. Okay. And so what that ultimately has meant for me is that a lot of people most people have a substantial amount of up down movement with the foot yep. so dorsiflexion plantar flexion right and i have almost none of that mm. um and so that has impacted my personal practice a lot because when you can't bend your foot past about 90 degrees mm -hmm. it changes what you're able to do in terms of lunges or in terms of chair and all these different yeah. things and so I've learned to sort of say, how do I adapt this pose to work in my body, given yes. the limitations that I have that are not going to go away? Yeah. And other students have those same limitations. Maybe it's not in the ankle, maybe it's in the shoulder, mm -hmm. or maybe it's a knee issue or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if we can honor what's present in someone's physical body and help them to modify and create a variation that does serve them, mm -hmm. and that does create that goal sensation, well then like kind of who gives a crap like yes. what the physical yeah. shape of the pose looks like, like what's supposed to be quote unquote right yeah. why don't we empower who they actually are rather than like making them feel bad about what their physical limitations might be absolutely and I think unfortunately there's still a lot of like misinformation out there mm. that all of the limitation that you have is changeable mm. and sometimes the limitation that you have is changeable if we create some more length in this muscle over time yeah. by you know practicing regularly and things you might be able to get more range of motion or you might be able to get stronger or more stable yeah but sometimes what's limiting you is your bony skeleton yeah <laughs> and so if what's limiting you is your skeletal structures yep then unless you get in some kind of a horrific car wreck which heaven forbid yeah that's not going to change yeah so when you're fighting against your own bony your structures that is something that i think it's it's pointless yeah so like let's learn how to work with those things yes. and how to figure out when am i limited by soft tissue stuff that can change mm -hmm. um, and that I can work on. Mm -hmm. And when am I limited by bony structural things mm -hmm. that are never going to change yeah. and that I'm just going to, um, even if I don't hurt my physical body, I'm just going to hurt my yeah. spirit by but, pushing myself in this way. Yeah. I think that's so important. I can resonate with that too. I had a hip injury and 2018 I had to have surgery and it was oh, wow. structural too. It was a labral tear. Mm -hmm. So I often find myself having to modify poses sometimes. And it's, I think it's kind of like accepting that too, instead of being like, why, why can't I do this? It's yeah. just like, okay, now through your own experience, you learn I've had to adapt and other people are going to have to do this too. So I think that's great that you're um, like so interested and infatuated with learning how to meet people where they are yeah. and not trying to like put yoga on a pedestal or really any type of movement because it's like even though your body might have limitations don't use it as an excuse to hold yourself back from 
everything that you potentially could um, engage in, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. And don't let yourself, like, feel bad if, like, your crescent twist looks different than the person next to you yes. or different than your teacher's looks. Or if you have to change things from the, the alignment cues your teacher is giving you in order for it to feel good or stable in your body. Yeah. Yeah. So I assume you probably teach similar to myself as if a student were to ask, like, am I doing this correctly? It's not so much like, is it correct compared to mine? It's like you kind of analyze based on their needs if they look if they look a certain way or if they feel comfortable in that position. Absolutely. Usually the question that I ask in response to that is like, what does it feel like in your body mm. to do this pose? So if they're telling me, like if they're in a warrior and if they're telling me things like my thighs feel like they're working hard and I feel like my lower belly is starting to kind of light up a bit and I feel a little bit of openness and movement in my chest, okay. then I'm like, cool. Uh, I don't really really care what it looks like. Yeah. I care that you're feeling all those things, and that's exactly what we want you to feel. Exactly. So it is then, quote, right. Yes. You are doing it right Based because on it's right for you. the sensation that you're trying to achieve. Based on what you're feeling, yeah. Okay. Um, so, you, so you had the injury, and then you, let's talk a little bit of, um, yeah. more about that. So after you had the injury, is that when you went off and started to do massage therapy or what was no, that whole so, journey? Uh, that injury was a long time ago. So, um, I, so I was injured when I was 17 and for the first like several years after that, I was actually pretty okay. I had okay. a few surgeries, but I wouldn't say it necessarily limited my function or my mobility at all. Um, but then right around my, I guess it would be like mid twenties. Okay. So eight ish years later, yeah. that's when I started to notice a lot more pain, a lot more stiffness, lack of mobility. I wasn't able to do some of the things that I could do before. Okay. At that point in time, when I was in college, I did a study abroad and I would like go for like 10 mile hikes and oh, like wow. hike up and down mountains and all this, this kind of stuff. And I started noticing like, oh, like I can't really do that anymore. Like after mm. like two and a half or three hours of hiking, I'm pretty much tapped out and having a really hard time. Okay. So long story short, I had been to a bunch of doctors. I had tried a bunch of over-the-counter meds. I had tried a bunch of prescription meds. I'd been through a whole lot of physical therapy, mm -hmm. and I had kind of exhausted my, like, quote, Western medicine options. Okay. Um, but I was experiencing a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And so one of my really good friends said, hey, I'm seeing this naturopath right now for she had some other issues she was seeing him for. And she was like, I know it's kind of, like, out there. Yeah. And, like, it's probably not something you would have considered before. But if you're kind of at the end of your rope with Western yeah. stuff, maybe you're willing to take a chance on something that's a little different. Yep. So I kind of said to myself, all right, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work and I'm out a hundred bucks. Yeah. So I went and saw this naturopath and the modality that he did with me was called acupressure, okay. which is basically, you've probably heard of acupuncture. Yep. So it's using the same energetic structures in the body, but instead of using needles, you're using fingertip pressure. Oh. And okay. so he started working on the meridians, those lines of energy, okay. using fingertip pressure. And it was wild. If I hadn't been there experiencing it I would have had a hard time believing it just but like skeptical yeah he was like holding these points on my left leg and after about five or ten minutes I start to start to kind of feel my leg like shake start to kind of like vibrate okay and he was like 
do you feel that? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, totally normal, huh. like very safe. Don't worry about it. Just let it happen. Okay. So I was like, okay. So I just sort of, sort of relaxed into that. And pretty soon my leg was shaking so much that it was almost bouncing off his table. Wow. It was wild. So was this in Michigan? This was in Michigan. Okay. Yeah, this is um, Micah doesn't do as much of this work anymore, but this okay. was with Micah McLaughlin of Continuum Healing. Okay. So um, anyway, I got up off the table and I walked out of his office and I had no pain for three whole days. Wow. And that was not something I had experienced for years, yeah. having that many days totally pain free in a row. Wow. So I thought there's something to this. Um, and so... At that time, I was also sort of feeling like I was in grad. I was in grad school for um, a master's in biology and a PhD in science education, okay. and I was feeling really disillusioned with academia. Oh. And was feeling like I don't think this is the right place for me. I don't based think on your experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, based on experiencing it and seeing what my professors were um, were doing in their. Um, in their careers and in their lives. I was mm. like, I don't know if this is what I want to be doing, even though I do love teaching. I don't think this is what I'm supposed to do. So your goal was going to be to teach? Was going to be to teach college science classes. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, and I taught a lot of college science while I was in grad school. Okay. And so I was right near the end of my program. All I had to do was write my dissertation. Oh my goodness. But I was feeling like more and more like this was not right. Like mm. this was not right. Like mm -hmm. I can't how do I get myself to write a 300 to 500 page paper, essentially, which yeah. is what your dissertation is? Um, how do I get myself to do that when I don't want the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, yeah. which is to teach at the college level and all the things that being a professor entails? Yeah. So I had this experience with Micah, helped my physical body so much, yeah. also was very disillusioned on the career path that I was on. Mm -hmm. And so those two things in combination made me be like, okay, what if I could train and help people the same way that Micah has just helped me? Yeah. So like change your life. Yeah, <laughs> like changed my life. So I ended up quitting my grad program, enrolling mm. at night, and doing their therapeutic bodywork program. So uh, I just realized I used an acronym. Knight is Naturopathic Institute of Therapies and Education. The oh. graduates, the graduates call it Knight. So okay. N I T E. I see. Yeah. At night. Yeah. Yeah. At night. <laughs> yeah. So I enrolled in that program, stopped my grad program, and you know, a year later, finished the program wow. and started my own practice. Wow. Because I wanted to be able to. I think that's how most body workers kind of come to their practice mm. is wanting to be of service and help people and mm -hmm. facilitate healing mm -hmm. because those things have been helpful for them yeah. in their in their personal history. Absolutely. I mean, that's what why I'm teaching yoga. It's like you feel the healing in your own life and you're like excuse me, you're like, I need to help other people in the same way. Yeah, it's a gift that you want to pass on. Yeah. Do you feel like um, at least the biology experience that you had in your grad program, you so still use it. So valuable, yeah. Yeah. I think partly it was all the biology that I had learned, both in undergrad and in grad school. And okay. also the other thing that I really value from my grad school experience is it taught me how to read scientific research, oh, which yeah. is really helpful as a massage therapist and a therapeutic body worker. Yeah. To be able to read clinical literature is, yep. is a helpful skill to have. And I also feel like my time in grad school um, taught me how to be a critical thinker, mm. how to ask really good questions, how to be a bit skeptical, yep. um, 
and those are skills that I still use in my practice today and just are good skills for being a human in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> being yeah. able to have free free thought, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long have you been a business owner with Little Dipper now? So I started it literally the month after I graduated. Okay. Um, so June of 2015 okay. is when I started it. So I'm coming up almost five years. It'll oh, be five wow. years in June. Congratulations. And I started super, super small, super, super slow. I ended up um, renting an office one day a week sharing with someone who was at the Wellness Collective, which okay. is where I still am right now. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, I was working like three other jobs on on top of like trying to build my practice. Yeah. And it started really slowly and just built over time. And after about two years, maybe two and a half years in practice, Mm -hmm. I was busy enough with my own clients that I could quit all of the other things that I was doing. Um, And that's right around the same time that I also sort of decided because I had been practicing yoga for... Well, I've basically been practicing pretty frequently, like, you know, four to five times a week was what I started with back in 2012. Okay. So I had had so many people over the years sort of say, when are you going to do teacher training? Uh When are you going to do teacher training? Yeah. And I just kind of had always felt like I knew it was going to be such an investment of my time. Yeah. My emotions. Yeah. Um Physicality. I knew it was going to ask a lot of me. Yeah. And I didn't want to go in with half effort. Gotcha. So that's smart. So I said no for like many, many, many years. I said no. And then finally I started to feel like I think the time is right. Amber had just started her program. I wasn't the first class, but I was the second class. So she had recently started her program and I just love Amber. I think she's wonderful. Yes. And so it was a combination of timing, feeling like I was ready, feeling like my teacher was finally available to Mm. me because the other programs that I had looked into just didn't feel right. Gotcha. Those years before and sort of feeling also like the next step for me in my practice and in my business was to add more than just passive body work. Mm. Because with your background, I'm sure you'll agree. I feel like to really heal and to really feel as good as you can possibly feel in your body, mm-hmm. you need a combination of active and passive work. Yes. And up until the point that I started teaching yoga, I was really only offering my clients passive work. Mm. So they would come to my office. I would work on them. Mm-hmm. I would usually give them a couple homework exercises, a couple suggestions of things to do on their own, okay. and then I'd send them on their way. Okay. And now I have so many more tools in my toolbox mm. because now with yoga, especially with highly individualized yoga, yeah. um, I can give them the tools to do active work on their physical body and also provide passive work. That's awesome. I think that's so important. I mean, that's, like you were saying, similar to why I have a strength and conditioning background. And so it's helpful to uh, allow people to understand how to move their bodies physically. But then with the yoga background, I feel like I can meet people where they are psychologically too and deal with the, like, physical, emotional, mental you know, well, and I think the cool thing about coming from a strength background too, Mm -hmm. is that we're starting to turn a corner, I think in yoga, where we're realizing that like 
the goal should not be to get as flexible as you possibly can. Yeah. Like there is such a thing as being too flexible. <laughs> yeah. And also just like for your individual body too, like when one muscle group is too tight, cultivating too much flexibility in the opposing muscle group is not helpful right. because we want to create balance. Stable. Yeah. So I think like the background you have of knowing that it's important to create strength and stability yeah. in addition to flexibility probably makes you a really good yoga teacher too because you're coming at it from that holistic yes point of view yeah. even from the physical yeah just trying to increase performance with just life like not even in a specific sport sometimes you know mm-hmm. so do you okay current products that you offer so you do the massage therapy yep and then you do the like yoga intertwined mm-hmm. with it mm-hmm. do you have like um programs that you create yeah, so, like products or yeah, just so do services I, I don't have any real programs or products right now okay it's all sort of offered as individual sessions although okay. i do have i call it the empowered yoga and bodywork program okay. which is basically just committing to a regular monthly yoga and bodywork session okay um but i would say other than offering some additional ideas about what you could do at home and perhaps a little more homework than I normally would offer, mm-hmm. it's not really a program so much in that I have, like, accountability mm-hmm. or, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So most of it, what you, pretty much what you offer is service-based. Service-based, yeah. So if someone were interested to come to you for service, what do those different services look like? So there's sort of three different umbrellas. The okay. first is massage therapy, which we've talked about a little bit. Yep. The second is private yoga which we've talked about a little bit and then the third umbrella is something I call heart sessions okay so this incorporates the other body work training and the other training that Mm -hmm. I've received so a little bit of energy work a little bit of breath work a little bit of awareness of sensation in the physical body and then I've taken um, a training called holistic counseling which is not designed to be talk therapy Mm -hmm. per se it's more of how to it's for healthcare and wellness providers and it's how to speak with your clients in a way that helps them to become more aware Mm. of what's happening for them internally where did you do this through so it's through a canadian naturopath and his name is moshe daniel block and he has i don't think he's come to grand rapids in a while but for a while there he was coming to grand rapids about once a year to offer this training so i've actually done the same training twice because it felt so deeply valuable to me that i was like i i took it and then i was like three years later i was like oh he's coming back i need to take this again and it resonates and it resonates differently yeah Yeah. and you're you're in a different place Mm -hmm. and you're offering different things to your clients and so these heart sessions take place clothed so people are not disrobing they're just laying on the table and usually when someone wants to do a heart session with me it kind of comes from three main areas one it might be a physical thing that they're noticing that they've um tried to work with their doctors they've seen a lot of specialists Mm -hmm. and like whatever it is this physical thing won't resolve Mm -hmm. so like an example might be like you have this pit in your stomach Mm -hmm. and you feel this at alternating times during the day or during your week and you've seen your doctor you've gone to a gastroenterologist you've done a lot of other like western things and Mm -hmm. you can't figure out what's going on here okay so sometimes we start there and we just start by noticing that sensation and asking some open-ended questions to sort of explore what's going on yeah get curious see what you feel the other time that people will come to me for these sessions are if they're going through a really difficult situation in life 
So maybe they're grieving the loss of a parent or mm-hmm. they're going through a divorce mm-hmm. or they've got something else really difficult, a challenge that they're going through and they just want a little more support in their life. Okay. So when people come for that reason, typically it looks like holding a lot of space for them, okay. doing some breath work, getting curious about where they, they feel that situation heaviest in their body okay. um, and seeing if there's anything that wants to sort of arise for them, mm. anything the body wants to bring to their awareness okay. with regards to that situation. Okay. And then the last w- reason that someone might come for a heart session is if they have a really difficult emotion. So maybe it's not even situation-based. It's just like, for example, with women, it's often it doesn't feel okay to me to be angry. Mm. So we practice in a really body-based way. How can we get more okay with feeling and experiencing anger? Where does that land in the body? What does it feel like? What are the things that make it not feel okay hmm. for you personally to be angry? Okay. So those are sort of the main reasons why someone might come for a heart session. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of me holding space for people, guiding them with breath work, asking some open-ended questions about okay. what they're noticing in their bodies. And I always tell people I'm just the facilitator. Yeah. Like whatever's coming up for you is coming up for you. And you're sort of providing your yourself with the guidance. Yeah. Um, so anyway, those are the three things. Massage therapy, yoga, heart sessions. Okay. And then I also offer like sessions that are combinations of okay. those. Okay, that was going to be yeah. my next question. <laughs> <laughs> because that is like uh, a thing that a lot of people want is they might want a little bit of private yoga but not a full hour and mm. they really want to combine that with massage therapy. Or someone might say, yeah, I really would like to explore a heart session but I'm really anxious mm. and I feel like I need to ground and calm my physical body before right. I delve into that emotional depth. Yeah. Um, and so then we'll do a massage and a heart session combined oh, in a I single see. session. Okay. So, yeah, those are the, the different things. That yeah, really, that's yeah. awesome that they interplay like that, too, because so I'm well. sure it's so um, necessary for some people, depending on where they're at. And I love that you really focus on, like, bringing greater awareness to people because I, I personally believe that there's so much benefit to, like, just taking the time and giving yourself the space to yeah. dive deeper within. And I think that a lot of people will have issues going on in their life and just greater awareness could help them to resolve that. But sometimes they just don't feel like they have the time to commit to that. So actually, you know, setting aside time to make an appointment and get that service. Yeah, it's like it's so necessary. The other thing that I think is really helpful for people because all of my stuff comes from a very body-based perspective, Mm -hmm. even though we are taking a holistic approach. Yeah. Is that I feel like so many of us walk around our lives like we're floating heads. Mm, Like we have absolutely no awareness of what's happening from the neck down. I totally we have no awareness of how our mental state or our emotions impact our physical body and vice versa. And so when we can get really intentional about creating that connection between the mind and the body and sort of getting curious, like you said, getting Mm -hmm. curious about how are those two connected? How is the body affecting the mind and how is the mind affecting the body? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of transformation can happen there. A lot of powerful revelations can happen there. But unless we actually make that space, and sometimes what we need is not just to make space, but also to have somebody to hold space Mm. for us, somebody to ask really um, curious and uh, 
maybe unexpected questions yeah. to sort of shake us out of that head only yes. sort of approach. Yes. I think that's so important. Like so many so many people just are so busy working their lives away that it's always like cognitive thinking, you know, just in, in your headspace. Mm-hmm. But when you can shift to be more conscious of when I think these thoughts, how does that show up and feel in my body? You know, what areas get tight and what yeah. areas like do I feel more closed off in my chest based on these thought, thought patterns? Mm-hmm. Um not to like diagnose everyone's pain with absolutely. them, but yeah, I think absolutely. it's it's great to offer those services because some people do feel stuck when they have exhausted the whole list of Western um, solutions for getting rid of pain, and you've experienced it. When you're in so much pain every single day, you're just like, how do I get rid of this, and how do I escape this, um, you know, quality of life because. It, it's it's hard it's it can be dark and to have these alternative ways to you know change your mindset or whatever it may be to bring you to a new space that is a better quality like well, what I always like tell people is like it's really hard to show up as the most vibrant and aligned you in your life yeah if you are not comfortable in your body yeah if you are in pain or if something doesn't feel right or if there's some dysfunction it's really hard for you to show up the way you want to show up yeah and so if we can get your body feeling good and if we can get you feeling connected Mm -hmm. mind and body then you can hear the voice of your deepest truest you yeah and it's a whole lot easier to act in a place of alignment with that voice than when you feel crummy yeah So that's kind of why I do what I do is not just to help people feel better, which certainly is like a worthy goal and something I'm super happy to be able to facilitate. Mm -hmm. But my goal isn't just to help you feel better on a physical level. My goal is to help you to live more deeply in alignment with your truest you and with your values and to live in a place of freedom and ease and confidence. Um, And I find that sometimes the missing piece for that is getting right in your physical body yeah totally so i love all that by the way thank you so let's see you've been a business owner for five years now yep um actually no let's go back i want to know like what does you kind of touched on like what a typical heart session would look like let's dive a little bit deeper what does like a typical massage or yoga Yoga private yoga session yeah yeah so all of my sessions no matter what session type people would choose involve a five to ten minute consultation before so we talk about what's going on in your life how are you feeling what are the most pressing needs for you physically and emotionally Mm. um is there anything i should know about that's happened recently perhaps an injury or something going on with like a stressor at work or whatever because all of that provides context for how we can best work together gotcha and so then after we have that little bit of consultation Mm -hmm. um we get you on the table if you're going to do some sort of table-based session or we roll out your mat Mm -hmm. Um, and if it's a private yoga session one of the things involved in that consultation will also be like what's not feeling right Mm. especially if you are somebody who has a regular yoga practice whether it's at home or in a studio Mm -hmm. what just isn't feeling right or what are you curious about or what area of your body isn't feeling so great Mm. maybe during or after your practice Mm -hmm. and so then in a private yoga session 
we would really almost like become detectives to figure out, well, how do we support that part of you in a better way? Okay. So it might involve like, as I sort of watch you practice, I'm like, oh, their lateral glutes are a little bit weak. And so mm. what we need to focus on is not just stretching the, the lateral rotators of the hip. We need yeah. to focus on building some strength, strength. and stability there. Right. Or oh, like I'm actually seeing the reason that their extended side angle feels crummy is because it looks like they're doing X, Y, and Z. So mm. like how do I help them to do this pose in a way that actually does feel good for them? Yeah. And my goal, especially for private yoga, is that whatever we've worked on together, like once you learn something new and once you learn how it can feel mm-hmm. when you do it differently, Yeah you can then usually recreate that on your own and take that out of my office and into the studio or into your kitchen or wherever you practice yoga. And then you're empowered to be able to modify your practice in those ways. Um, So then after the session, whatever the session is, Mm -hmm. if it's massage or if it's a heart session or yoga, um, once we get you off the table and dressed and all that, mm-hmm. um, we'll talk a little bit about what did you notice? How are you feeling now? What questions does the client or the student have? Um, and then I usually will give based on how the session went and what I noticed and what I felt, especially if I'm doing body work. Yeah. Um, what are some things that I might recommend that you do on your own? Okay. Because the other thing that's really important to me both as a yoga teacher and as a therapeutic bodywork practitioner is I don't want to create a relationship of dependency Mm. where people have to keep coming into my office to feel good. Um, While it's true that um, you can rarely get yourself to feel as good bodywork wise as somebody else can get you to feel, I want to give my students and clients the tools to help themselves feel good in between sessions. So usually that homework is focused on what are the most potent and powerful things that I think this person could do to be feeling good in their own body, to be feeling emotionally stable Mm -hmm. and in touch with themselves, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So I usually give two to three homework recommendations at the end of a session, and then we send them on their way. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So is this, like, do you normally do, like, package deals with people? Or is it just, like you said, based on what you notice and observe? Yeah, it's based on what I notice and observe. And the reason that I don't offer packages is because – I feel like we need to honor whatever's showing up in the Mm, moment. So if you've bought a five pack or something, it might be different if I was teaching a lot of group yoga classes, but for individual work, if you bought a five pack and I really feel like, oh no, we've actually got this settled. I don't need to see you unless you want to come back. Why would I want to like suck you in to a five pack if that's not what you need? If it's not necessary. Yeah, so I like to just sort of evaluate things on a case-by-case basis. And then the one thing where I do sort of have a reoccurring thing is if people are like, yeah, these yoga and massage sessions are so helpful for me, I want to commit to doing this on a regular basis, Mm. then I do have that yoga, that empowerment yoga and body work program that is like a monthly membership kind of thing that's cool yeah i like those offerings um and the other thing if i can just kind of interject one other thing that's a little different because a lot of body workers specifically massage therapists do offer packages Mm. um so that's something where i'm a little different than most because i don't offer that the other way that i'm a bit different is I also don't upcharge for deep tissue work okay. um, or firm pressure, and I don't upcharge for the use of essential oils in session. Okay. Because I really feel like 
A, if I upcharge for those things, a lot of people will choose not to do them, mm. even if that might be in their best highest, interest. yeah, best interest or for their highest good. Yeah. So I just sort of say this price that I'm charging is all inclusive of mm-hmm. these things, and we will use whatever we need to use when you're on the table to help you feel great. Okay. Um, and I guess I just kind of see massage therapy. Um, I was telling my husband the other night. Like, massage therapy is not, like, a hamburger. Like, I'm not going to, like, upcharge you for bacon and avocado (laughs) and, like, extra cheese. And, like, I just want to give you what you want without kind of nickel and diming you for all these different things. So do people come to you just for massage therapy without needing, like the emotional or like absolutely without any of those prior like I'm looking for guidance in my life yep absolutely I do have clients who are just strictly massage clients okay um and I do have clients who are just strictly yoga clients or strictly heart session clients um so my goal is to really meet you where you need to be met Mm -hmm. and where you're ready for too because there will be a lot of folks who it seems to me that there might be an energetic or an emotional component to what's going on in their physical body, but they may just not be ready to go there yet. Gotcha. And so I'll meet you where you are. And yeah. if where you are is wanting to do purely physical work, then like that's where we'll be. Yeah. I might eventually, after six months or a year, sort of gently suggest that we mm. try some other things too. But um, I wanna I wanna go where the client's ready to go. Yeah. Totally. So when you're doing the body work, um, you mentioned like you might feel something. So is that, I assume this is what they kind of teach you in the naturopath institute. Can you explain a little bit more about like how Mm. that works? Yeah. So sometimes it's just a sense or an intuition. Okay. Sometimes it's informed by a lot of my um, bodywork clients will talk to me during session, even okay. if it's just a massage. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, if you want a totally quiet massage, that's what we'll do. Okay. But I'm also here to, uh, if you want to talk, then we'll talk. Okay. And so sometimes it's like an intuition thing. Sometimes okay. it's a, oh, this person keeps mentioning this like really problematic relationship with their mother mm. and how stressful this is. Yeah. And so sometimes it'll be like, oh, I wonder if some of the tension in your shoulders might be related to this conflict with your mom because every time I start working in your rhomboids, you start telling me about this, like, terrible thing your mom did this week. Interesting. So sometimes it's that or sometimes it is... the way that I describe, and everyone feels the movement of energy in the body differently. Yeah. For me, what it typically feels like is a slight vibration. Or the other way that I describe it is um, if you were like in a pond and there were like little air bubbles that were like coming up from the from the bottom of the pond coming up toward the surface. Yeah. To me, I feel something similar to that. Okay. When my hands are on a body. Okay. And I feel the movement of energy. Um so sometimes some it's those sort of things. sensation. Yeah, some sort of physical sensation okay. or sometimes it's something I feel like I know from direct communication with the client or sometimes it's just a gut feeling. Okay. And of course those things can all be incorrect so yeah. I try to hold those ideas loosely gotcha um the client is is their ultimate authority on right. what's what's true for them um but those are my clues okay so do you with the body work is it all actually hands-on or is some yeah, yeah. okay I rarely will work off body so that's a really common thing for Reiki practitioners yeah. Reiki is a particular way of doing energy work mm-hmm. and I was not trained in Reiki I was trained on kind of like a 
a mishmash of okay. energy methods. Okay. And so most of the time my hands are on the body. Sometimes they're off the body, but most of the time I'm at least touching my client lightly. Okay. Gotcha. Because I was familiar with Reiki being off the body. Totally and, off the body. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, I wonder if, but you did mention earlier, I think that that's a separate session that yes. you chose not to do. Yeah. So, okay. Now let's go into, you've been a business owner for five years. Um, I'm curious of like what are what has been the greatest challenge you have faced, you feel like? Mm. Can you pinpoint like one specific one or like I a think, really fundamental I, learning you've had? I think the f- first challenge that I had um, was that my family was not supportive oh, wow. initially. Okay. So as you can imagine, like... The idea of dropping out of graduate school, especially when you have like an assistantship and you're getting paid essentially mm. to go to grad school yeah. and you're very close to the finish line, yeah. um, that was not something that my family understood okay. at the time or really supported. And so I felt like I was really fighting, I was really swimming upstream. Mm. And even when I was graduated from my program and first starting my practice, there was still a little bit of... Um, just lack of encouragement and support there. So that was really hard to have a lot of people in my life, especially really important people to me, not standing behind me on this. Um, And then from a more practical standpoint, um, just building a client base takes time. Oh, definitely. And um, when you are a business owner and you're trying to do everything yourself, it's really hard. Yeah. And for the first few years, especially, I was doing everything myself because I didn't have the budget to hire somebody to do it for me. Exactly. So it's like you're your own administrative assistant, you're your own accountant, you're your own social media manager, and you're doing the thing that you actually want to be doing, which is the services you're (laughs) providing, right? Totally. So I think in practical terms, that was really hard. Okay. It was really exhausting. Um, and yeah, just, it was, it was rough. So since, um, you've grown, do you now outsource a lot of that stuff so you can (laughs) focus on just doing what you want to be doing? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my social media coach who, um, is like something of a business coach in some ways to me too. She helps me kind of talk through some of the changes I want to make and strategize a little bit. She has this, a phrase that I'm sure is not hers. I'm sure that she learned about this somewhere, but she calls it your zone of genius. Hmm. And so she says that we are all the most successful when we stay in our zone of genius and Mm. it turns out my zone of genius is not web design (laughs) so I am I am my best as a as a human and as a business owner and as a practitioner when I can outsource those things that Mm. I don't enjoy and that I'm not very good at when I can outsource those to other people I'm I'm the best me I can be. Most fulfilled. Yes. Probably. And it takes a while to get there, right? Like yeah. I um, just did a big web and branding refresh and all of these things. And I could not have done that at the very beginning of my business. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have paid thousands of dollars for someone to do branding and to do my website and all that. Yeah. But as you grow, you can start to yeah. pay people to do those things. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think like that zone of genius I like that phrase Isn't that great? it's kind of like you know so true in just life like know what your strengths are and the areas that you're weak like seek out others to help support you to 
play up those the well to build i guess the weaknesses but like you have an area where you naturally thrive so like yeah live in that (laughs) yeah when you when you can yeah when you can uh you don't have to do it all yourself yeah and it doesn't make you a better business owner because you're like you know got control of all these areas um like why wouldn't I spend my time on the on the places that I really love yeah the places that light me up yeah and let those other things be done by other folks that I can pay to do that because that's their zone of genius yeah yeah so actually I was going through some of your social media and stuff and I noticed that uh there seems to be a trend at least as of recently of like fuck the hustle (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I love that because so many people it's just like grind 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 work harder and like I totally used to be of that mindset Mm -hmm. and then it's like what like you don't have to do that to feel like a worthy human you can you know enjoy enjoy life right and do the things that are meaningful to you and not just like slaving away for the benefit of others which like yes you it's great to want to help others yes. and to provide service to them, yeah. but there's a balance to it because you also need to make sure that you're not just doing it, or you need to be doing it for the right reasons, I suppose. And I think sometimes, too, like, especially those of us who are maybe really motivated by achievement or mm-hmm. motivated by, um, status sounds wrong, but like, goal setting yeah goal setting or like feeling like we quote did a good job yeah like as an entrepreneur you never reach that place yeah at least for me I've realized that like no matter how hard I work no matter what I achieve no matter how good my business is I never am satisfied Mm. I never reach that place that I think I'm gonna reach yeah like now I've done it yeah (laughs) that never happens and so if that's never gonna happen me like working harder and harder and harder ultimately is just really damaging yeah. for myself because I never achieve the thing I want to achieve because I keep telling myself like when I finally made it that's when I will kick back and be more <laughs> balanced and like rest this is and true. that doesn't happen yeah and I think the reason that I've sort of been a little bit more outspoken about that about like you know likes and follows don't pay your bills like mm-hmm. fuck the hustle like all of those things is because I think, especially on social media, that is targeted towards entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. especially women entrepreneurs, yeah. that is still a really pervasive mes- message. Yeah. It's like hustle and grind and like, you know, um, all these things, these messages that tell us that we need to work harder and harder and harder. And I just don't think that's sustainable. I yeah. don't think it's kind. It's not something I would ever tell my clients or my students to do. Yeah. So why am I telling myself that? Right. And it can feel like, like you said, like mentally draining. Like you get on, you know, social, like Facebook or Instagram and you see all these other people posting and you're like, you feel like the competition of like, they're posting that much. I need to be doing at least that. Or yeah. or like they got this many likes and like they have this many followers yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's just like all the like comparison stuff. So I, based on reading some of that too, it's funny. I was like looking at your social media as we're talking about like, you don't need to be on social media all the time. But I think it's, it's a great message to share there because of the reach that you do have. And it's like, take some 
take some time away and give yourself the space so that you can kind of have your own creative thought press process and ideas that you're bringing to the platform and you're not just echoing all the ideas that you're already surrounded by. And so that you can also honor the fact that you are more than just a business owner. Yeah. And for me, like, I think it's really hard for entrepreneurs because often our identity gets tied up in our business. Yeah. And like, not that that's a bad thing. Like a lot of times the businesses we've started, we've started because we're passionate about them. Yeah. But you are more than a business owner. And when 90% of your waking hours are spent working on your business, like how are you honoring yourself as a human? Yeah. And I think in some ways, uh, my social media has reflected that over the past, oh, probably eight weeks because I haven't posted a whole lot because I've had a lot going on in my personal life and a lot of changes that are happening behind the scenes. And so instead of sort of putting this pressure on myself to be like, okay, I'm going to keep posting like three or four times a week, even though that does not align with this season of life that I'm in Mm, right now, I've sort of let myself take a bit of a step back and like the world has not ended yeah and it's okay well and like maybe you're actually busy doing your business like yeah, <laughs> providing cool. your services and you know so a lot of the people that aren't on social media it's like they're too busy to be posting that often so yeah. I think it's it's smart to like take time away to like read books spend time with family garden yeah. or do, yeah. do the things you enjoy that like make you that full human that I think provide you a better balanced perspective to be a better business owner absolutely and not just like have your um your intention be in like okay i gotta get more clients make more money and you're just seeing people as dollar signs rather than as like the full person and we can work hard right like we can work really hard when it's time to work really hard and we can take our businesses really seriously and we can be a good business owner and be a good yoga teacher and a good body worker and all these things but it's important to have time when you're not those things too and I've sort of realized many times over the years and I am not perfect at it but I keep trying is if I'm doing stuff that I would not want my clients to do like Mm -hmm. if I'm telling my inner self to shut the hell up because you know I need to be more productive and my inner self is like no you need to rest or you need to reconnect Uh, with your husband or you need to you know see your friends or take a walk or whatever yeah when I am not doing those things I'm also not only can I not show up as powerfully for my clients and students but I'm also like being like kind of a really poor example for them too yeah because I would never encourage that kind of imbalance for a client but then somehow I'm still gonna say that I can I'm allowed to do that because like you can feel that internal tug of like okay I should rest or I should do these things not business related but then you're like well let me just do this one more thing yeah (laughs) let me just check this one more email or my my thing is like oh let me just do this like last little scroll or Mm -hmm. let me just whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, it totally, it is a balance, though, and it's it's so important. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the challenges and learnings and lessons. What have been some of your, like, favorite things that you've experienced as a business owner? Hmm. Or maybe, like, favorite client success stories? Yeah. Or? So I think some of my favorite things that I've experienced is I have some clients who've literally been seeing me for five years. Oh, wow. And um, the changes that I've gotten to see in their physical and emotional health. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one client who 
was in a, a really abusive relationship mm. and it took many 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 years of us working on her body and doing some heart sessions and doing some private yoga and like I never pushed her too hard to make any decisions or to do anything she wasn't ready to do yeah but she finally left that relationship and it's been really beautiful to you know that was her decision and she's the one who did that but I also do feel like I got to walk alongside her in her journey and offer her some support along the way as she finally got to that place wow so that's been really special just having the level of success not that I'm like rolling in the dough or something but having enough success in my practice that I don't have to work another job yeah that's felt really amazing that's awesome um having people tell me you know just like you said earlier like that you appreciate some of the things I've put on social media yeah I'll have people say that to me occasionally or say like I really that blog you wrote like really resonated with me like thank you for putting that out there or to have my yoga students like I have a few yoga students who have come from other studios or other teachers who just like never felt quite like they fit yeah and so to have students say I really appreciate the way that you teach or mm. whatever those things um those things really matter yeah it's so mm-hmm. rewarding right to be a part of that like healing journey for others absolutely and, and see the impact and the influence is like yeah it like gives you goosebumps for me anyway. and, it's, <laughs> and it's just like such an honor for me like especially with heart sessions people will open up and say some like really vulnerable things like some really deeply emotional things and a lot of times people will cry and then when we'll you know get them ready to leave after their session like I think we're all trained to just sort of apologize for our emotions mm. um but they'll often say like geez I'm so sorry that was so heavy like you know Aww. I hope you can like shake it off or whatever yeah and I always tell them this is what I'm here for yeah like I obviously am not overjoyed that someone is in pain or having conflict but what I do think is beautiful is that I I'm that you're trusting me enough to share these things with yeah. me and that I can hold space with you so that hopefully you can move through these things mm. in a um, less painful way. Yeah. So speaking of that, when you're working with clients through those like heavy emotions, do you feel like like how do you manage that personally when you go home? I don't know if you want to go down. Yeah. That no, absolutely. I I always struggle with this question because I know there are plenty of practitioners out there and even yoga teachers too mm-hmm. who really struggle to keep other people's stuff theirs yeah and keep that sort of like gentle energetic boundary yeah and I don't know what it is but I just do not feel like I struggle with that wow that's I just feel like it sort of naturally I've never struggled with it I've never had a really heavy session where I'm like oh man now I feel like sludge or whatever yeah so um I think it's breath I think it's paying attention to your feet on the ground um and I think it's also like like most things, you get better at it the more you do it. Okay. So, so that might be. Yeah, that might be true. Okay. Yeah. Regrettably, I don't have anything super insightful to share I was like, there. teach me your ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of like the writing thing. It's okay. just something that has kind of like always come naturally to me and never been something I struggled with. Okay. There are plenty of things that I do struggle with, but that just is something I seem to do pretty easily. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. 
So what does your day-to-day look like now? Maybe you can talk about, like, how it's changed over time. I know you said before you yeah. were doing, like, three jobs at once. Yeah. That's crazy. And- so before my week would kind of look like, okay, on Monday I would be assisting three yoga classes, and then I'd also be working at the front desk at a yoga studio. And then Tuesday okay. I might see some of my own clients and also work the front desk. And then Wednesday I might be seeing some of my clients in the morning and be at the front desk at a yoga studio until 10. And then on Thursday, because I was still teaching um, as an adjunct, even after I Mm. left my graduate program, I still taught college classes as an adjunct places. So maybe Thursday, I might be teaching a three-hour biology lab in the afternoon. And then, so it was, what my schedule used to look like is I was going in six different directions. Yeah. I was working 60 hours a week a lot of times. Okay. Um... And I was not seeing my partner very much. <laughs> so what it looks like now is Sunday and Monday are my weekend. Okay. And unless there is something very, very important, I do not work those days. That's that's great boundaries. <laughs> yeah. It, it took me a long time to get there. For a long time, I had zero days off. And then I had one day off. And then I had two days off, but not next to each other. Okay. And now that I finally have two days off that are next to each other, yeah. I finally feel like a normal human like that has like decompress. a weekend. Yeah. Um, so Sunday, Monday are my weekend. And I try to hold really tight boundaries around that. Okay. And then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, I see clients. So typically, that looks like me getting up around... 745, mm-hmm. having some breakfast, having a little coffee, hanging out with the dogs. And then I usually am in my office by 9, 9.15. Okay. Um, typically, I don't see more than four people in a day because I've found that that's about my capacity. Okay. In terms of... Again, good boundaries. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In terms of how many people I can sustainably work on. Okay. Um, so I'll usually see two folks in the morning and then I have a pretty good afternoon lunch break where I'll run home eat some lunch, let the dogs out, do, nice. do some admin things, like check my email and make sure that everything's going right from an administrative side. Okay. And then I usually head back to the office for some afternoon or early evening appointments. Okay. Um, on Wednesdays, I typically teach um, a group yoga class at the Wellness Collective. Okay. Um, so that's my Wednesday night. And then on Saturday, Saturday is either an admin day or sometimes I see clients on Saturdays because I know it's hard because I don't have a lot of evening hours. So Mm -hmm. I try to make that up by giving people some Saturday availability. And then the best thing I ever did for my business. So if any other entrepreneurs are listening, the best thing I ever did for my business was blocked out one whole day a week where I don't see clients, I don't teach classes, all I do is admin work. Hmm. So I work on my website if I need to. I write a blog. I prep my social media posts. Hmm. I do most of my like heavy lifting email correspondence with clients or with other business owners. Okay. I do a lot of meetings on on Thursday. So okay. I might meet with another business owner or take someone out to coffee or hmm. um, that kind of thing um, just because I do want to stay plugged into the greater health and wellness community. Yeah, absolutely. So, that was the best change that I made, and I think I made that change about a year ago, maybe okay. a year and a half, where all I do on Thursdays is the behind-the-curtain stuff yeah. for my business. No, I like that because it can feel overwhelming to, like, try and juggle that, like, in between seeing clients. So or, hard. You know, you wake up in the morning, you open your email, and you're like, you read it, but then you don't respond, and then yep. you're thinking about it. So 
I think I, I like that having that Anything clear Anything that requires out. much more than like five or ten minutes of sustained effort yeah. is really hard for me to do on days when I see clients. Mm. So on days when I see clients, all the only admin task that I do is I'll respond to an email or a phone call perhaps. Okay. Um, and I'll like log my, my income for my accounting. Okay. But everything else happens on Thursday. Wow. Mm-hmm. So such a completely different like lifestyle, it seems, that you live now compared to if you were doing the college professor route. Do you ever think about that? Very different, yeah. And I think this is stressful too, but just in different ways, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, and I think the main thing that I love is that I'm the boss. You get the flexibility. I get the flexibility. I get to, and like, I didn't do this for a lot of years because I wasn't necessarily able to. And then for a short period of time, I was probably able to, but I was just scared to. Mm. I take vacations now. Mm. So like, <laughs> I, I had like five days off, I think back in like February or something, okay. like five, five days off in a row. Yeah. And um, it's really nice to just sort of know that the buck stops with me Mm. and I get to decide what feels right. I get to decide if there's a client that I actually don't really want to work with for whatever reason and would be better served by working with another practitioner. So I refer that person or whatever. That's Um, awesome. So it feels really good to be the one who controls my days. Yeah. Rather than you feel like you're being pulled in a million directions by students Mm -hmm. or professors trying to schedule meetings with you or whatever. much the thing that I think was really hard for me and that kind of um like academia yeah that turned me off I think a little bit with that is I saw how much was being asked of my professors Mm. so in addition to teaching maybe three classes a semester Mm -hmm. they were also being asked to do research and publish Uh, two to three papers a year and serve on committees and advise students and go to different conferences that were appropriate for their discipline and also do some volunteer and service work. And so uh, I just saw all those things they were being asked to do. And I was like, well, no wonder they're working like 65, 70 hours a week. No wonder they're sending me emails at 1130 at night. And I just, like, didn't really want that for myself. And not that that's how every single professor's life is, but it was common enough, at least with the professors that I was interacting with, Mm -hmm. both at my institution and elsewhere, that I just sort of thought, I don't... I don't think I want this for myself. Yeah. I loved, loved the teaching part. Yeah. But I didn't want any of the other parts. Yeah. And unfortunately, they were a non-negotiable part. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a lot of hours. I didn't realize what was asked of them. Yeah, it's a lot. Holy moly. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. So you've come all this way, and... um, how has your family responded since the beginning? <laughs> it's so different now. Yeah. So it was a real rough like two or three years from when I, when I quit my grad program to, you know, two or three years later when I was finally sort of established. And yeah. I think um, like being able to fully support myself with my practice, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of like made them sit up and take notice and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And the other thing I think that's been helpful is I have these, like, really lovely things that people will say about me online. Mm. So, like, Facebook reviews or testimonials that my clients have given me to put on my website. And so um, I think my family reads those and is like, wow, like, people really love her. Like, people really think she's great. And so I think that that has 
in some ways they speak kind of for themselves. convinced them that maybe this was an okay choice for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it all worked out how it was supposed to. It all worked out. Yes, uh, it did. That's yeah. awesome. Not without a lot of like grit and guts and yes. determination and hard work. Right. But it did all work out. Yeah. Yeah. So back to your services, I, I forgot to ask. Do yeah. you offer virtual services? I do not. Not right now. Okay. Although that is something that I'm kind of like always curious about is um, I'm always sort of interested in like, well, what would it look like if I yeah. had an online yoga program, you know, eight weeks or something that I recorded classes and then delivered it to folks with some homework suggestions and journaling prompts and stuff. Hmm. That is not something that I've done yet. Okay. But who knows? Maybe that's my next like adventure. Down the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally, I mean, like I was saying, the reach of the internet is so powerful and like I see it as a way to just help that many more people. And so it's like, maybe someone comes across your website and is like wow like i need to work with this woman and but they live in oklahoma yeah exactly yeah. so i think it's definitely worth looking into developing something down the road yeah just my two cents sounds great <laughs> i think my husband would love that too he's very techy so i'm oh, sure he? he could help me with some of that stuff yeah. yeah well like you were saying i think it's so important as an entrepreneur to be involved in the community and know the right people to help you with your social media to help you with website development because like you said you can't wear every single hat if you want to do the services yes. that you want to do absolutely Hmm. So, awesome. I'm excited to see what you come up with for that. Me too. I'll let you know. You'll be one of the first to know once I actually do have something I want to roll out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have, like, any other um, stuff on the horizon for Little Dipper that you're looking to roll out or, like, latest projects that you want to talk about? So, the only thing that I can think of that's sort of, like, new and about to happen is I have a yoga series that's starting on Wednesday, although who knows when this is going to air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have a yoga series that's starting on March 18. Okay. Um, but the other thing that I have coming up, and that's just sort of an unthemed yoga series, just six weeks to sort of be together, to sort of supercharge your practice, if that's something that you're needing after kind of the winter blahs to yeah. kind of move your body a bit. And then the other thing that I'm really excited about is um, on May 30 at the Wellness Collective GR studio space, which is down in Easttown. Mm -hmm. um, I am doing a uh, combined yoga class with my good friend Skylar Schulz. And mm -hmm. she um, provides these amazing hands-on alignment cues and, and adjustments and mm -hmm. assists. And so I'll be teaching class. She'll be offering hands-on alignment cues and adjustments. If desired, we have like little flip cards that say yes or no. Mm, like so that, that if you want to opt out, you can flip it to no. And if you want to opt in, you can flip it to yes. Okay. And then with those classes, it's called Spark Yoga. Okay. And the little subtitle is Yoga for the Fun of It. And uh -huh. so I try to make those classes really playful, really um, sort of light lighthearted yeah. and easygoing and free-spirited okay. and so usually we come up with a pretty fun playlist too last Aww. time it was a 90s throwback playlist nice and i think this <laughs> time it's going to probably be one hit wonders okay so yeah cool. if you can join us on the 30th of may please come and join us for that yeah, yeah. that sounds fun mm -hmm. do you have like a facebook event that i could link I do. in the show yep. notes uh -huh. okay absolutely um yeah anything that we've talked about during the podcast i'll include in the show notes too sounds great um, what about, like, so speaking of um, being involved in the community, not yeah. just 
you're located in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but do you have, you've mentioned already a couple of people that you follow online. Do you have like books that you um, recommend Ooh. to clients or like yeah. authors or so influences? So one, one thing that I always recommend to folks who are interested in um, personality that's a little bit deeper mm. than like Myers-Briggs or something like that. Is, yeah. Have you ever heard of the Enneagram? I have. Okay. So that... I learned about that about mm, eight years ago, maybe, and that, like, blew my mind. It's basically a personality typing system that involves nine different personality types, and each of those types have key characteristics, key positive things, key not-so-positive things. Like, uh, usually each of those types has, like, a specific childhood wound, Mm. and so when you know what your type is it really gives you this beautiful lens to sort of view your life and your relationships through. So the Enneagram is amazing. The book that I usually recommend is called The Complete Enneagram by Beatrice Chestnut. What a great name for an author. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So love her books. Um, Love Anything by Bernie Clark. He has a book called Your Body, Your Yoga, and a book called Your Spine, Your Yoga, and both of those are incredible for um, the physiological aspects of the yoga practice, and specifically for individual variation. Um, And then the other books that I always recommend to folks are Anything by Brene Brown or Glennon Mm. Doyle, Um, two really powerful women who, um, Brene Brown talks a lot about shame, Um, and vulnerability and resilience and Glennon Doyle just has some incredible memoirs out there that I just really resonated with so those are kind of um, the books that I would recommend and in terms of like folks to follow on social media I love Jason Crandall I love Bernie Bernie Clark is not on social media but (laughs) I love Jason Crandall I love Jules Mitchell um, and I just love anyone who's going to examine the practice of yoga from a really critical perspective um Mm. And sort of seeing like, well, this was the historical practice, but what serves us now today with our understanding of the human body um, and with our modern lifestyle? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I'll have to look into some of those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, some of them you mentioned, I'm like, ooh, that's right up my alley. That's, or that's a new one. Or <laughs> yeah, whatever, yeah, exactly. Um, so you're... Your where is your studio? So my office is located in the Wellness Collective GR office suite. What the Wellness Collective is, I've mentioned them a couple times in the podcast. We're a group of health and wellness practitioners that all have kind of banded together to rent some office space and to sort of come together with a common view of how to help folks. Okay. Um, and we are in the East Town area of Grand Rapids, so mm-hmm. we are at like Lake and Carlton. Okay. If you know where that area yep. is. Yeah. Gotcha. Thirteen Twenty Four Lake Drive is our is our office address. Okay. Yeah. So if someone were to want to schedule a service with you, yeah, what's like the best way to get hold of you? The best way to do that is either via email so my email is kate at this is little dipper.com um and that's usually the way that i schedule most clients i know everybody these days does online scheduling yeah i am just like uh i'm like have a tight grip on my schedule yeah i just love to be able to have that control over knowing what's happening what day i agree (laughs) so so i only schedule via email i don't have online booking so send me an email or um, if you're like, hmm, I'm kind of curious about her, but I'm not sure if, if I'm ready to like schedule something, yep. they can always visit my website, which is thisislittledipper.com. There's a whole lot of stuff about there about all the services I offer, a little bit of an about me page so you can 
kind of get a feel for who I am. Yep. And then there's a ton of blogs on there mm-hmm. if you're interested in doing a little reading. Okay. Yeah. And then you're on Facebook as well. I'm on Facebook as well. My uh, tag, my little at symbol for, yeah. for Facebook is Little Dipper GR. And that's also my handle for Instagram. So okay. Little Dipper GR on both Facebook and Instagram. Okay. So you have periodic updates there, but not too often. Yeah. I would say that like, it's been a pretty quiet season and some things are sort of resolving in my personal life now. So I'm hoping to kind of get back to a little bit more regular posting. I would say at the most I post usually three times a week. Um, and then sometimes it's a little less frequently than that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then obviously I'll link those as well. Sure. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners about like mm-hmm. your business or being yeah. a business owner? I would say the one thing that I have learned, um, and you probably noticed this in a lot of my blogs is I'm pretty vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, in those blogs. And, um, not that you need to share every intimate detail of your life with every stranger you meet, but one thing that I've learned, and I think this is actually something Brene Brown says, is mm-hmm. like vulnerability is like a superpower. Yeah. And when you can show up in a really vulnerable and authentic way, that resonates with people. People gravitate toward that. Um, people, I think, crave authenticity and crave vulnerability in a world that seems really perfectly curated yeah. and designed to sort of sell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the things that people have said to me as a result of like some of the posts that I put out there that are like pretty vulnerable and like share some really difficult things or some things that like maybe feel a little gritty or a little dark. Um, the things people have said to me about those posts have been some of like the most wonderful connecting things that I've ever had. And so I guess I would just encourage anyone who's an entrepreneur or who is just a regular old person is that, if you want connection, if you want to be seen, if you want to be loved for who you are at your deepest core as opposed to how you perform or what you achieve or how good you are at meeting someone else's needs, mm-hmm. the key to that is showing up as you, Yeah, is vulnerability. Even with all your weirdness and your darkness and your scars and your less than pretty parts, like I always tell people like anyone who shows me their weirdness I'm like yes you're my tribe (laughs) please please keep going (laughs) yeah show me your weirdness like that's what I want so um I guess just a little encouragement to to everybody out there to to show that vulnerability I think it's like it's so easy to you know sit there and think like who should I be as a person or like you know we strive to sometimes put on a show for others to make it look like I have all my shit together and like I have it all figured out but then like you get these glimpses of people when they do something really human they make a mistake or like they forget something or who knows what it may be and it's like it reminds you that they're just like real and they're just like you too and you're like Okay, good. Like, well, when I was you afraid. think about like who you gravitate towards, for me, it's very rarely the person who looks perfect. Yeah, it's almost always the person who looks like a real human being mm-hmm. and who, like, I can say, "Oh, yeah, that thing happened to me too," or yeah. like, "Oh, I've been divorced too," or like, "I had this terrible thing happen," or mm-hmm. "I struggle with X, Y, or Z." Like, those are the people that I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
I have a friend that you reminded me of. She says, she always says, stay messy. And I like that because it's like, life is messy. It's chaotic. And we're all just trying to like manage and make our way the best that we can. So, And when I think about like the most important and consequential like times in my life it was not when I had my shit all together yeah like right now I love where I am and I feel great and I finally my husband and I finally own our own house and we're finally have our dogs and we're super happy yeah but like the most beautiful and important and like consequential times in my life when I grew the most when I made the bravest choices those were all times where it looked like a fucking shit show (laughs) where it was super messy and where I felt like so scared a lot of the time and where things did not feel like they were going to turn out yeah um and those were like some of the most important times in my life so I guess if anyone out there is like really going through the ringer yeah um like stay in it man stay stay yeah. in the arena keep fighting because yeah. this this time you're having now where things are feeling really hard is going to be the time you look back on in two or three years and you're like wow that's when everything changed it kind of reminds me of what you said at the beginning like it's in the darkness that you can actually see the light and it's like you are going through that but it's those transitionary periods and it's it's the journey right that is yeah. like the beautiful part it's not when you make it to the top of the mountain and you're like, hey, I did it. This is awesome. Hey, yeah. It's like there, there's it's the peaks like, and valleys. It's like that that struggle, that mess makes the triumph all the sweeter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I super enjoyed this conversation Me with too. you. Me too. This was so fun. Is there anything else you want to share with listeners? I think I'm good. Okay. Well, they, they can feel free to reach out to me since you're going to kind of link all these things. Yep. If they have any questions about anything I said or if there's anything that they're like, oh, yeah, I really want to get in touch with her. Yeah. Even if it's just to like shoot the shit over email, like yeah. have them have them send me an email. You are you are welcome. I'm always up for connecting to a kindred spirit. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kate. It was great to have you on. You're so welcome. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so appreciative if you show your support by leaving a review or sharing it out with friends and family who may also benefit from the episode as well. Our goal with this podcast is to share knowledge to create a physically, mentally, and emotionally stronger version of you. So if that resonates with you, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of future episodes. See you next time.